just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back with the Rational Boomer podcast. Hope all is going well for you. I know I know that some things aren't going too well for the folks down in the southern part of this country, specifically Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, because of Hurricane Ida, Cat 4 storm that hit the southern coast of the United States. And this was a devastating storm. It's now tracking up through Tennessee, and it's probably not as devastating as it was, but it will still have a severe impact. When you saw the video coming from Louisiana and Mississippi, you saw some terrifying things, unexplainable winds, trees being knocked over, roofs being torn off the tops of barns and houses and that sort of thing. It's a frightening thing to be in something like that, I've only been in one tornado in my life, and it is pretty awesome and frightening. Because it's one of those things where you really don't have any control anymore. It's happening, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen until it's finished. And there's absolutely nothing you can do but take cover and protect yourselves. And I know this is a very frightening situation down there for these people. Uh, The governor of Louisiana or whoever came out and said, there's been one verified death in this hurricane. Now that sounds positive. Not that that person died, but only one death. Well, don't get too excited about that because there's a lot of wreckage. There's no communications. Cell signals are down. People can't communicate with one another. So there is more than likely many other people that have died because of this storm. It's just going to be a matter of time before we find out. Make no mistake, this was a tragedy. This was devastating. This was deadly. Now, anytime you get a storm like this, inevitably, it will fill up the hospitals in those areas. But the problem is, is in those areas, those hospitals were already filled with anti-vaccine COVID dipshits. Yeah, you've got people getting injured in a natural disaster like we haven't seen in some time. They need attention. But the fact of the matter is, is there's no room. So what do you do? That's got to be one of the biggest quandaries that those folks in those areas have to deal with. It's frightening. It's frightening when you have something like this you cannot control and you need help and you can't find help because it's already being used up by people who know better, people who should have protected themselves but just got headstrong and believed the lie and now they're in the hospital. I heard a story yesterday that I found very disturbing. I did a TikTok about it. And I'll tell you the story here real quick. This has really nothing to do with the storm. 
I just want to say those folks are in those areas, my followers, my friends, or family, or whatever that is down there. If at all you can hear something like this, because your power is down, and there's a lot of other more important things to do than listen to a podcast. But for those folks down there, I wish you the best. I hope that that uh, you're safe, and I hope that you can get through this stuff without too much trouble. But since we're talking about hospitals and how full they are and how difficult that is when we have a national tragedy like this that causes a lot of people to be killed or injured, here's a story that doesn't relate to the storm per se, but kind of has the same message here. Caleb Wallace, he's a 31-year-old guy, a kid of Texas. He was the co-founder of the San Angelo Freedom Defenders and a devout anti-masker and a devout anti-vaxxer. Well, he died of COVID, 31-year-old kid. But you know what? That's not the sad part of the story. Here's the sad part of the story. While Caleb Wallace was dying in a Texas ICU bed, U.S. Army veteran Daniel Wink Wilkinson died from a treatable gallstone pancreatitis. He was on a gurney waiting for a Texas ICU bed. This gentleman could have been saved easily enough, but he couldn't get a bed while Caleb Wallace, who chose not to take the vaccine, was dying of COVID. Now, who should take precedence in that situation? Well, I personally think that uh, Daniel Wilkinson should have because he did get vaccinated. He was there for a legitimate reason and, more importantly, a reason that could easily have been treated So now instead, that young man is dead. His family has lost a father, a husband, a brother, what have you, for no goddamn good reason. Just because Caleb Wallace has a different political view, a political view that's based on bullshit. Daniel Wilkinson is dead. I mean, I guess it's sad when anybody dies. But when you do everything you can to put you in a position to die, it's hard to feel sorry for them. But it's even more hard not to feel some ill will toward them when what they do not only kills themselves, but impacts other people. Impacts people like Daniel Wilkinson, who now died, who was completely innocent of this situation, had a simple surgery that he needed. But he couldn't get it because Caleb Wallace decided he was a selfish motherfucker and took up the bed space. So, my point is, if that happened in this situation, how much is that happening in our situation with this horrible hurricane? People are going to get injured. People are going to have heart attacks. People are going to get sick. People are going to die. And when they need help in the hospital, we know in Louisiana and Mississippi that the hospital beds are already filled up with these fucking anti-vaccine COVID patients who could be sick and could ultimately die. But they made a choice. They chose not to get vaccinated because they thought they knew better. And as they're laying in their deathbed, they finally realize, oh, shit, maybe I was wrong. 
Yeah, well, you got to get sharper than that. You can't play these games when it comes to your life. And people will say to me all the time, what do you care if I get a vaccination? What do you care if I get a mask? But here's the problem. Yes, you have rights not to be vaccinated. Yes, you have rights not to be forced to wear a mask. But when your rights start to infringe on my rights, then we have a problem. That's where your rights end. So why am I concerned whether you get a vaccination or wear a mask? I'm not worried about getting sick myself because I am vaccinated. I'll probably be fine. But what I am concerned about is if I get sick, then I could conceivably get that disease and give it to my grandchildren or other small kids in my family. Because anybody who's above 12 that doesn't have the vaccine is not thinking straight. Everybody above 12 can get the vaccination, and they should. If they don't, they should understand what they risk. They can believe anybody they want to. They can believe people telling you that the vaccine is bad. But you know what? Those sons of bitches that are telling you that are, in fact, vaccinated. That should tell you something. That should make you aware that maybe they're not being truthful with you. And big surprise, they haven't been truthful with you for years. But somehow you want to believe it. You want to fight for it and not get vaccinated. Because you have rights. I have rights too. I have rights not to have you anywhere near me or anybody I care about. But as soon as you start making small children sick, and we're hearing in Florida now that the uptick in Children under 12 getting COVID is rising quickly. Of course, Florida is a fucking cesspool of virus anyway. They got all kinds of problems. Donald Trump said, I got the vaccine. You should get it too. But you know what? Ron DeSantis is still saying, don't get the vaccine. You shouldn't have to wear a mask. Ron DeSantis doesn't give a fuck about anybody in his state. He is the governor of the state, but he doesn't give a shit about you. You know what he gives a shit about? He gets a, gives a shit about getting elected governor again, or better yet, elected president. If Ron DeSantis has an even halfway decent chance to be president of this country, we are in some fucking deep trouble because he is a prime piece of shit. He is not a good human being. I don't wish ill against people. But if I did, I would wish ill against Ron DeSantis. He's deserving of it. He's responsible for death just as much as Donald Trump is. And at some point, he should pay a price. At some point, he should have to understand what he's done. Acknowledge it. Yeah, I, This whole thing is very frustrating to me. All my life, I've I've run into problems like all of you have. And I do my best to look at the problem in an unbiased way. And I try to decide what is the best way to fix that problem. Now, I might find that the best way to fix that problem is something I don't want to do, but I want to get rid of that problem. So I bow my head and say, maybe I'm wrong. 
and I do what I have to do to fix the problem. And you would think that after people are dying by the hundreds, some people will grasp that. But apparently critical thinking is a missing component with a lot of these uh, Trumplican fucks. They don't get it. Their own little ego is more important to common sense. And that's what's most frustrating. These people are killing themselves. We've got a genocide in this country. The fact is that the people that are being genocided are the people that are doing it to themselves. How much more stupid can you be? It's absolutely fucking unbelievable to me that we see these types of things. And we have to deal with these types of things. All right, I want to talk about something else, too. Um, you might remember Jim Jordan was being interviewed and the interviewer asked Jim Jordan, so did you talk to Donald Trump on the phone on January 6th? He said, uh, well, uh, I, I talk to Donald Trump all the time. I'm a big shot. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I talked to him. I'm not sure. I think, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Was it before, after, or during the insurrection? Ah, geez, I'd have to go back and check. I, you know, I don't know. I can't can't remember. Because that was a pretty uneventful day. I mean, it was an insurrection day, and you were talking to the president. I can understand how that might be hard to fucking remember, you idiot. So, time's going on, and now the select committee is asking for the phone records, all the phone records that were going on in and around the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. And so they even acknowledged that what they want are the phone records of the people in Congress that were known to be part of Stop the Steal and the Big Lie. Yeah, they specifically want those phone records. Now people are getting a little nervous. You might recall way back when, when they had a a hearing. Josh Hawley specifically asked somebody, so did she get the phone records? Uh, What are you going to do with them? What's going to happen if you find out somebody did something? Yeah, here's a man that's nervous, and he should be. But Jim Jordan should be nervous, too, and you know what he is. Because in spite of the fact he had trouble remembering what happened on January 6th and his conversations with Donald Trump back then, just yesterday he came out and says, you know what, you know what, come to think of it, I talked to Donald Trump multiple times on January 6th, before, during, and after the insurrection. Now why the fuck would he do that? Why after all this time would he finally own up to it? Well, he knows it's coming out. He knows those phone records are going to Congress, to people that don't like him, don't trust him, and want to see him gone. So now he's trying to soften the blow, if you will. But the fact of the matter is he did what he did. And it's going to be found out. It's going to be proved. And he's in a shitload of trouble. So he's trying to do anything he can to possibly cushion the blow. I'm going to tell you this, Jim, you've got so many fucking things over your head right now. Soon you're going to be buried in your bullshit. You're not going to be able to fight your way out of it. You can try to duck and cover, divert and distract and delay all you want, but it's done. 
you and the other clowns in Congress that helped out with this insurrection are going to be found out. You're going to be exposed. It's all going to be proved. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, all that will happen will be that you will be expelled from Congress. Now, you should go to jail. You should be tried. And that may happen. But at best case, the best thing you can hope for is that they're going to kick you out of your job in shame and you're going to go away and hide forever. That's what's going to happen. This uh, select committee, everybody was questioning how deep they're going to go in this investigation. Well, we know now they're getting all the phone records, all the phone records of all the people around the Capitol on January 6th, specifically looking at people in Congress that may have been involved. That's a deep dive into an investigation, but that's not it. Now the select committee has gone to all the agencies like the DOJ, FBI, Department of Homeland Security. They want all their documents on this thing because, you see, in spite of the fact that Congress or the select committee wants this information. This information has already been in the hands of the DOJ and FBI and all those folks already. So have the phone records. You see, there's a lot of legal aspects to this situation that are happening that we haven't heard much about yet. So it's not like this stuff hasn't been exposed. It's not like the legal entities aren't looking at it and potentially uh, following up on them, sending out indictments, starting trials, getting convictions. That's already in the works. So you're probably wondering, what difference does it make if it goes to Congress? Well, Congress needs to know this shit. And if Congress knows this shit, their job is to keep us informed and keep us up to date with what's happening. So all of that information that's somewhere in the DOJ or wherever is now going to come to light to the public, which is even more devastating to them because if somehow they can slip out of some kind of uh, indictment or some kind of trial, once everybody knows about it, they're fucking done as politicians, as people of any note in this country. So they don't want that to happen. And they're trying hard not to make that happen. There's some representative who is telling cell companies, well, you can't release that stuff. He's a freshman representative. It doesn't know fuck about fuck. So it's not going to go anywhere. He's not going to be able to stop it. But at least he's going to be able to look like he tried. And that's what it is about these people. It's all about perception. So that's why it's so crucial that this stuff go to Congress and get exposed and allow us to see what's going on. Yeah, Jim Jordan, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, all of those fucking idiots have much bigger problems than what Congress can give them, legally anyway. But the one thing Congress can do is expose these fuckers for everything. It will destroy their chances in 2022. It will destroy the Republican Party because they will be shown for the untrustworthiness of these fucking people. 
the damage they did to this country. It will all be exposed for all to see. And there will still be a base of 30% that don't believe it, but fuck them. They're not enough to turn any election. No gerrymandering or anything is going to fix it when everybody sees what's going on. See, that's the thing. People are worried about gerrymandering and voter suppression. There's one sure way to beat all this, and that's to get out and vote in full force. And that's how Joe Biden got voted in. Joe Biden got 81 million votes. That's the most votes any president has ever received. Now, the, the Republicans would have you believe, well, that proves it's phony. Now, what that proves is that people were so scared and hated Donald Trump so much that they got off their couches, out of their beds when they didn't want to and voted just to make sure they got that son of a bitch out there. Donald Trump is the reason why there were so many votes in 2020. And if that fear is still there and you've got a bunch of people that are disreputable disreputable, and uh, hurting this country, you better well believe in 2022, an off-year uh, midterm election, you're going to see an unprecedented amount of people going out to vote. And not even Mitch McConnell can stop that. When you get a legitimate blue wave, people just scared and people just mad and vote. Nothing's going to stop that. That's not to say we shouldn't stop voter suppression or this gerrymandering bullshit. We're going to try to do that, too. It's got to be fair. See, the Republicans are scared right now because they see their time is short The time of the old white man being in power is gone. The amount of old white men in this country are dwindling. They're dying off. Now we've got more people of color. We've got more women taking charge and doing what they want to do, which is contrary to what the old white men want to happen. At some point, that's going to overwhelm the old white guys and they will fade away and die off like fucking dinosaurs they are. So they're scared and they're going to try to do everything they can to delay the inevitable. But the inevitable is here. They can't delay it any longer. You throw in the fact that now we're going to expose just how corrupt and how criminal the Republican Party is. They're fucking done. They are absolutely done. Anyway, take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. I just want to take a couple of minutes and and talk about, uh, well, dumb Trumplicans. And then I'm going to tell a personal story that will be of interest to most everybody of my age range. So hold on for that. Anyway, I want to talk about dumb Trumplicans. I'm on TikTok, as you know. And there are a lot of big creators on TikTok that are having all kinds of problems. They're constantly getting videos taken down. And now some of them are getting banned. There's a gentleman by the name of Tom Tom Powell. He's got a very popular page, maybe 400,000 people that listen to him. Now, I don't know Tom. Never talked. But I feel a certain kind of kinship with him because he's an older guy like me. 
He's pretty calm. I try to be fairly calm. And uh, he talks about the same things I talk about. He doesn't do anything crazy. He doesn't rant or yell or make threats or anything like the Trumplicans do. But he's having all kinds of problems with having videos taken down and and uh, getting banned now, permanently banned, on that particular account. Well, we know what's going on. We've got these ignorant, childish, piece-of-shit Trumplicans out there banding together and mass-reporting certain people out there. That's what they're doing. For no other reason other than that these people might be making a point or that these people might be saying something they don't like. Never mind that it's true, they just don't like it. So that's their only way to attack. They don't have facts, they don't have verbal abilities, they don't have creative abilities to fight back or to plead their case. They have to do this bullshit, and it's frustrating. I get Trumplicans on my page all the time, and they say stupid shit. And you know what? It's in my nature to take those people apart, embarrass them argue with them, engage with them, and put them in their place. But I do not do that. I do not do that. In fact, if I see a Trumplican or if I see somebody talking conspiracy theories or threatening or saying something bad to somebody else or me, I immediately block them. I immediately block them. And it's because people say, well, you just don't want to deal with them. No, I don't want to fucking deal with them. I have one goal in doing TikToks, and that is to exercise my First Amendment right and to be able to do what I want to do. And I don't care about arguing with Trumplicans because you can't argue with them. What I'm looking to do is bring together people of a like mind. That's it. I don't give a fuck what the Trumplicans think, say, or do. They're of no use to me. And they're a risk just because of the same reason that Tom Powell is going through. I'm sure he's engaged with some of these people and he lets people on and watch and do whatever. And that's the fair thing to do. I will admit that. But because of that, now he's got tons and tons of people who know who he is and is watching him and reporting him and mass reporting him and that kind of thing. So he's having those kinds of problems. Now, I try to avoid these people like the plague. My premise is that if you can't see me, you can't harm me. And if you're blocked, you can't see me. And that's what I do. That's what I've done all along and what I will continue to do as long as I'm on TikTok. Now, it's interesting. I was going to talk about this today. And I've often said recently, I don't get videos taken down. I'm not getting banned. But just before I came on here, Just before I came on here, I noticed somebody reported a video of mine for bullying, which is absolutely ridiculous, because other than Donald Trump or other uh, public figures, I don't bully anybody. I don't engage anybody in the post, so I can't bully them. But somehow it got taken down. And I tell you this, this is how these things get taken down the best I can tell. Somebody sees a video they don't like, so they immediately report it. The first thing, the first thing that uh, um, the uh, the TikTok folks do 
is just take it down. They don't look at it. They don't have question it. It's reported, so we take it down. So now it's on me to to uh, send it back to them and say, this isn't bullying. Then maybe they look at it and say, oh, yeah, it's not bullying, and then it'll turn it back on. That's how it works. And that's as dumb as these fucking Trumplicans are. They know that, too. So they just go around mass reporting everything, and it gets taken down. Much of it gets put back up. But stuff gets taken down. They're causing the chaos that they love. They're causing the problems that they love. They're trying to hurt the people that are saying the things against them, even though they are right in telling the truth. So it frustrates me to be on TikTok and have that possibility. I hate being anywhere where somebody can tell me what to say, what not to say, or control my destiny. And to a certain extent, that is the case with TikTok. TikTok has an algorithm, and whether you fall into that algorithm or not, who the fuck knows? Who knows what what you have to do? I've had some videos go viral that didn't make any sense, other videos that probably should have that didn't. I don't know how it works. I don't care. I don't worry about it. I just do what I do, and I move on to the next thing. But then when you throw in these people that are constantly shutting these big creators down, for TikTok, I got to believe this is counterproductive to your business model. You want a lot of people on. You want a lot of views. But now you're pushing out your most valuable commodity, the big creators who create the most activity on your app. But you're not paying attention to that. You're just doing what you do. And you're going to shut down your app. You're going to diminish your app because you're not paying attention. Now, I have no reason to believe that they're ever going to change that. And that is the reason why I do what I do here on the Rational Boomer podcast. TikTok is a great place, and I love every one of my followers. But the point of doing TikTok for me was to build up a good base of followers. Right now, and I'm at, what, I'm at 90,000 people? It's fucking amazing. I never imagined I could do that. But the goal at that point is try to transfer some of the folks from TikTok over to the podcast. Not for my ego, not for anything like that, but because I want to be in a position to be able to say what I have to say, not have to worry about some Trumplifux or an algorithm or some company I don't know tell me I can't do that or shut me down in the middle of it. I've been through that before when I used to sell a lot of things on eBay. I was very successful for them. But then they started making demands of me that made the job harder to to make money on. So I said, fuck it, I'm not doing this anymore. I said, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to do it on my own. And you know what I did? And it was fine. Now, it wasn't just fine. It was fucking better. So when I go on TikTok, I'm giving the stories. I'm trying to give the people what they want. But I'm hoping against hope that ultimately they come to the podcast. Again, not because of ego, not because I'm looking for huge numbers on my podcast. I don't expect that's going to happen. But we'll get enough numbers. And I will be in a position to do what I want. And you don't have to worry about me getting shut down or limiting what I say or how I say it or what fucking hashtag I put on it. So that's why we do the Rational Boomer podcast. And that's why I tell you, if you like what you hear, if you're in line with what I'm saying, tell your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, anybody that might be of the same mind. 
to check out the Rational Boomer podcast. It's one thing to have power on TikTok by having a lot of followers, but it ain't that much power when everybody else controls what the fuck you do. If you can have power in something that you're doing on your own, then you have some ability to make some changes and do some things. That's why I tell people to tune to the Rational Boomer podcast. All right, I'm going to tell you a story that relates to a lot of people who are in my age range. I'm 61, so 55 to 65, 70, whatever. Now, I'm essentially retired. I still do some things, but uh, I look at TikTok and the Rational Boomer podcast as my job. My wife and I are fortunate that we're in a situation with pensions and investments and stuff. We're very comfortable. We're not struggling for money. And I'm very appreciative of that because I spent many years of my life when I did struggle for money. And I appreciate those people who are going through that now. And I feel for them because it is tough. Anyway, I work for this company. Actually, it wasn't a company. It was a government agency. When I was in high school, I got broadcast training through a radio station that was owned by the Minneapolis Public Schools. It was a public radio station. And frankly, it was good training, and the people running it at the time were wonderful people. I feel very fondly for them. Well, sometime after I graduated from high school, I had been in some radio jobs elsewhere around the country. I now had my own recording studio. I was doing a number of things there. But owning a recording studio was tough. It wasn't as much money as you'd think, and it was a lot of time. I had a son that was two years old, a wife, a house, a life I had to lead, and it just wasn't conducive, that business, with what I was trying to do. So I sold the recording studio. Didn't make a ton of money, but a little bit. And then I got a call from the radio station I got this training from and said, Hey, Mike, we just signed a contract with the Department of Transportation. They want us to do traffic reports on our radio station, and they're going to pay us. Why would they do that? And I said, Well, here's the deal. They think traffic reports are important to helping manage traffic, and they think the traffic reports that are out there by the commercial folks are bullshit, which is true. And they want to be able to control and get more information out there on a more frequent basis. So they want us to do it. We need the money. They need the time. Perfect situation. They're two government entities. I said, well, I don't know shit about traffic, and I don't even know if I have any interest in traffic. And they said, well, here's the deal. There's cameras all over the freeway system. All you have to do is sit down, watch these cameras, and do play-by-play of traffic. They said, you've done tons of play-by-play of sports. Same difference, just traffic. I go, yeah, but that sounds fucking boring. And they said, well, here's the deal. Since you'll be working for us, it'll be a civil servant job. There'll be all kinds of benefits. You'll get paid decently. You'll get a pension. Well, as I said, I've got a young son, I've got a house, i got a wife, i got responsibilities, just sold my business, I don't know what I'm doing anyway, so yeah, that sounds good to me. And I took it. Not because I liked it or I wanted to, but because I thought it was the best thing to do at the time. Now, when I started the job, it was a two-year pilot project, and I later found out that very few things that are two-year pilot projects that go beyond two years. But I thought to myself, you know, what the fuck? I got two years guaranteed job. I can figure something out before then. So I do it, and it's boring at first, but it's new. 
and I decide to make it my own, take some ownership in this. And I get pretty good at it. Well, not right away. (laughs) Because you see, they told me I should do it like I do play-by-play of sports. So I'm sitting in the middle of a rush hour doing a traffic report. And as a sports guy, not knowing any better, I came out and said, this might have been my first report. Eastbound Crosstown at Penn Avenue, a crash left shoulder. It's blocking the left lane, backing things up all the way to Penn Avenue. It's quite a mess. (laughs) Well, I got some calls from people and said, Mike, man, you're doing a good job. But could you dial it back a little bit? We're already fucking messed up in our heads. We don't need you getting crazy about this shit. (laughs) So I realized what they were saying. I dialed it back, and it's a good thing I did because in that job, I had to do a lot of talking. I was on every 10 minutes for about a minute and a half, so it was a lot of talking. If I didn't pace myself, I'd lose my voice before the end of the first night. So I did that. Things went really, really well. We got to the two-year point and said, hey, this sounds good. Let's do it for another four years. Then after those four years, it went another five years. I did that job for 27 years. I got a lot of positive results from that. A lot of the local media would come out and interview me as the traffic expert. Really wasn't, but I was the most visible, so they came to me. I even got some national exposure over this shit. It was, it was kind of cool, and after a while I thought, okay, this isn't my favorite thing, but this is mine, this is me. I'm the one developed how we do it. The fans love it. The vendor, meaning DOT, they love it. They're paying the bills all as well. So I kept going. And it went like that for years. As I said, 27 years I did this. Well, come about the 26th year, we got a new program director. Now, over those 26 years, we had a number of different program directors. Some dumb fuck radio guy would come in, knew nothing about what we were doing or what I was doing. And, of course, they would say to me, "Uh, you know, I think you should do it this way. (laughs) And I would say, I think you should shut the fuck up because you don't know what you're talking about. I'm the one doing it. It's successful. Why change it? Of course, they didn't like that. But ultimately, they would go away and I would still be there came to the point now when people wouldn't even bother me with those things because they were scared of me because I would say what I think and I would always win because it was the right thing. I spent all day, every day in this job. I knew what it needed and what we needed to do. But, you know, people always want to exercise their power. Well, this kid comes in. He's about 34 years old. I'm 56. Now, this kid has only worked at one radio station in his life in a small town in Minnesota, so he doesn't know shit from shit, and then I hear him on the air, and uh, he has no talent on top of it. He's horrible. How he got this job, I don't know. He came to me a couple times, and he said, I want to know what you need to do this job. I want to make sure I get it for you. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, okay. This is what I need. He says, I'll get it for you. Yeah, I go, I bet you will. And so... Anyway, he kind of ignored me for a while. Then after a period of time, he called me. He says, Mike, we need you to come down to this meeting at the administrative office. I go, what for? He goes, we'll talk about it when we get there. So we get into the administrative office. I'm sitting there. There's my boss, and there's some lady who's an administrator. And they proceed to make complaints about me, or the boss does. And I'm just looking at him 
appalled. Now, prior to this meeting, I did watch this guy and this radio station push some of the older people out. We all know that happens. Somebody gets older, they get paid too much, they want to push them out, get somebody younger and cheaper in there. And I saw them do that to two people that were friends of mine on that station. And I was angry about it. I spoke up about it. But never in my wildest dreams did I think they would do that to me because I was making them a lot of money. Without the money I was making them, that radio station would have closed down. The vendor who was paying the money loved me. They gave me, uh, <laughs> they gave me award after award. Actually, a year from the point of where I'm talking about now, they gave me a lifetime achievement award. So I never thought they'd fuck with me. I saw them do it to other people, and I was pissed. But I wanted to keep my job. I spoke up. I said what I said, but I continued on. So anyway, I get called into this meeting. And they start making complaints about me, which are absolutely ridiculous. They have nothing to do with what we're doing, and they are bullshit complaints. So when they looked at me as to answer this, and I said, well, Travis, that was his name. I said, Travis, you made me promises that you would get me this, this, and this to help me do the job the way you want to do it. Funny thing is, you never got any one of those fucking things done. So by the time we were done with that meeting, he looked like a fool. I walked out of there the winner. No big deal. And then I didn't think about it much after that. Then six months, almost six months to the day, I get called back into another meeting. Now they got more shit they want to complain to me about. And once again, I fight back and pretty much win the day because he's stupid and I know what the fuck I'm talking about. So again, now I'm getting annoyed by this. He's harassing me for no fucking good reason. The guy that's making the station that pays you your salary that is making most of the money here and you want to fuck with me. All right, after that, I just go on and do what I do. And then six months later, I get called in again. Well, now a light bulb's going on over my head. I get to the building, and I meet with a union representative who I've never seen before. The union had never done anything good for me. And they started talking to me about it. says, well, we'll handle this, we'll handle that. I go, wait a minute. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want an honest answer. I know what happened to the two guys before me. I've been called in now for the third time in six-month increments. My gut tells me they've run me through the process regardless of how those meetings went. And now I'm going to get fired today, correct? And they looked at me kind of uneasily. They said, yeah, I'm guessing that will happen. I go, you know, that's bullshit, right? Yeah, I know. I go, you're the fucking union, right? And uh, they said, yeah. I said, well, this has happened two times before, and now it's happening to me. What the fuck are you guys worth if you haven't done a goddamn thing to fix this situation? They just bowed their heads, didn't say much, because they didn't have much to say. So now I'm going into this meeting, and I know what the fuck's up here. And I'm not happy about it. Because I put a lot of time and effort, made them a lot of money, put them in a position that they wouldn't have been in had I not been there. And so 
I go into the meeting, and they're looking all stern and stuff. My my 34-year-old <laughs> boss is sitting there, and I never considered my boss. I considered him an idiot. But So we're sitting there, and they said, well, we're going to talk about such. And I go, hold on. Hold on a minute. Hold on just a fucking minute. I said, before you start talking, do you mind if I talk? And he said, sure. So I looked at my boss. And I said, in the short time you've been here, you continually try to tell me how to do my job. I've done it for 27 years successfully. And you have the audacity to come from a town and a station that doesn't do traffic. In fact, the fucking town doesn't even have traffic. And you're going to tell me what to do. And because I'm not stupid enough to do the things you want to do, now you want to call me out on it. I said, look, Travis, the only thing you lack more than intelligence is fucking talent. And you're a joke. And I can't stand even looking at your fucking sorry face. Now, I was doing this for a purpose. I wanted to see if I could break this kid. His face was red as a tomato. But he didn't break. I'll give him credit. I wanted to see if he'd take a swing or be a tough guy or whatever or spew stuff he shouldn't spew. But I'll give him credit. He kept his mouth shut exactly like he should have done. And after about 10 minutes of ripping him to shreds, which I enjoyed every minute of, I look over at the administrative lady. And she says to me, is that it? I go, oh, no, that's not it. I still got more. And I look at the lady in the administrative chair, and I said, Ma'am, how long have you worked here? She said, 30 years. And I said, I've worked here 27 years. And she said, yeah. I said, prior to these meetings with this fuckhead, Travis, how many times have I been here, been called on the carpet for something I've been, something I allegedly did. How many times in those 27 years, discounting the three that I've now had with Travis? She said, well, I have never seen you here before. I said, exactly. Doesn't that seem troubling to you? Doesn't that seem suspicious to you? She says, well, I, I go, no, you don't know. And you don't have the power to fucking do anything about it. You know what's going on here and you know it's wrong, but you don't have the courage or the power to do anything about it. I know it and you know it. And she looked kind of ashamed. And I said, well, are you, she said, are you done now? I said, no, here's what I want to do. I want to retire she says, retire. I go, fucking right. I want to retire. And she says, when do you want to retire? I said, well, fucking now. Go get the paperwork. Let's sign this shit. I retire today. My boss chimes in and says, well, you've got a shift to do this afternoon. I said, the fuck I do. I'm retired. Get somebody else. Well, that's kind of short notice. I don't give a fuck. It's your business. You have a problem with me. Find somebody else to fucking do it. And he was kind of upset at that point because he knew he was in trouble because in two hours he had to get somebody to fill in for me for the afternoon shift. So she got the paperwork. I filled the paperwork out and uh, I retired. Now, some people will say, why didn't you just let him fire you? You would have got unemployment. I go, yes, I know that. But consider this. I'm sitting with people that want me out, that are making shit up, 
or hyping shit up. I've made them a lot of money. They pay me a fair amount of money, not a lot, but a fair amount of money. And now they're doing anything they can to get rid of me. They're clearly not honest people. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, so they fire me, I get unemployment, I do whatever I do. And then I thought, well, how underhanded are these sons of bitches? I started thinking, well, I got a pension coming from here. I got money for health care. I've got all kinds of benefits I'm going to get the moment I retire. But if they're going to fire me under false pretenses, who's to say they're not going to try to take all that shit away from me? So I said, fuck that. I'm not going to let you have a chance to fire me or to take advantage of me or take anything I've earned over 27 years. So I retire now. And I did. I walked out that door and I can't tell you, I was skipping like a little girl. I finally realized at that moment in time that I was free from that bullshit. And more importantly, I could say whatever the fuck I want and nobody could stop me. In fact, I could say whatever I wanted about that organization and what they did to me. At that time, I had a pretty good following on Facebook. And that's exactly what I did. And you know what they did back to me? Not a fucking thing because there's nothing they could have done except bow their heads and deny. And that's what they did. But people believe me more than they believe them because there are at least three other people that said, yeah, Mike, you're right. That's what they do. So that was a very... (laughs) A very cathartic moment for me. That's the one thing that uh, many of us in our age range have to worry about. Getting pushed out because we're too old, we make too much money, or they just want young people in. A lot of folks go through that, I know. And I know there's a lot of folks that would love to do just what I did. But I know there's a lot of folks that aren't in a position to do that. See, I had a side business that was making a pretty good amount of money, and I knew it wasn't going to kill me if I walked out, took my pension, and walked a fucking way. So I had an opportunity in a situation to do that. However, (laughs) there was one down point of this whole thing. (laughs) As I'm walking away, skipping and whistling, because I'm happy because now I can say anything I want. I can do TikTok. I can do... (laughs) A podcast, say whatever I want, and no young motherfucker can tell me what I can and can't say and how I should say it. But as I'm getting in my car, I think to myself, oh shit, I gotta tell my wife. (laughs) See, I wasn't clear what was going on. I didn't talk to my wife about this at all. So now, out of the blue, I gotta call her up, who's a teacher in the same school district, and say, "Uh, honey, yeah, I just. I just retired. (laughs) She didn't take too kindly to that. I think she knew we weren't going to struggle financially, but she was a woman. So she said, we should have talked about this beforehand. I said, honey, I know I would have, but I don't think I was in a position to do that. I had to make a quick decision, and I did. And I think it's the best decision given the circumstances. Well, she got over it. I took my side business, made it full time made more money than I would have uh, as a traffic reporter. And uh, we did fine. And I got to do what I wanted to do. My point is, is that sometimes people are afraid to do things because they're unsure about the future. And that's understandable. But the fact of the matter is, is sometimes you have to do the right thing. The thing that's 
best for you and have confidence that what the future holds is going to work for you. All you have to do is put your nose to the gri- put your nose to the grindstone, work hard, believe in yourself, and you can find your way out the other end. People worry about things in the future. I don't. And the reason I don't is because I'm 61 years old. I've gone through some tragic and tough shit. But you know what? I'm still here and I'm still okay. And if that's the case after all those years, one more thing I can get through and be fine. So that's something to think about. And I wanted to tell you that story because I know there are a lot of people who are getting pushed out of jobs and maybe want to do the very same thing that I'm doing or I did. I'm not recommending that you do it. Probably not the best choice. But for me at that moment in time, that was the best choice. And that's what I did. And now I here I am on TikTok and the podcast doing a few side things here and there. But I live where I want to live. I do what I want to do. My wife and I do whatever we want to do. In spite of how tragic it might have looked at the time, everything does pass. Things do change. And if you keep a positive mind and keep pushing forward, you'll be all right. You'll be okay. All right, I've gone over time now, so I'm going to wrap things up. I hope you have a great rest of the week. Our hearts are with you in the southern part of the country, in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, wherever this storm is affecting things. Let's watch Joe Biden do what you're supposed to do as a president, as opposed to what uh, G.W. Bush and Trump did in their respective hurricanes, Katrina and the one that hit Puerto Rico. They fucked it up. I guarantee you Joe Biden won't. Government of the United States will be there to help and rebuild. So just be confident of that. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.